0: Colossians chapter 2. We're going to continue. We're going to actually do something a little different. We've been talking about Satan's strategies and the adversarial attack and how he works and his plan and all of that. And we're going to come in here to Colossians chapter 2. And I want us to, we're going to spend the next however many weeks and years and months and all that good stuff to go through this chapter Um, because. Here, we actually get to see the adversarial attack in real time, as he comes in and attacks a local church here at Colossae and Laodicea. And as we look here, we'll see the adversary attack to those who attend the local local church. Colossae, us, Laodicea, Ephesus, Philippi, wherever, you know. I don't know if you do this sometimes, like I'll read if you, if you go, look over here at, uh, at uh, chapter 1. Just, I don't know if you do this, you ought to do this sometimes, I do it. Look at verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Southwest Bible Fellowship. You ought to read it that way sometimes. I know it says Colossae, but who's he writing to? Members of the church, the body of Christ, that's me, throw you in there. Guess what? He's, re- he's writing to you. Here you are, to the saints and, and so forth, and off we go. So t- chapter 2, I would just want us to take some time here and look at this wonderful passage, wonderful instructions um, about the issue of the adversarial attack and what, what how, what he's doing, if you look there at verse 4, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you. Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you. Verse 18, let no man beguile you. And there's literally four main thrust in real time. Um, this stuff is happening to the colossians to paul it happens to you and i right here right now and as we you know i've been thinking about how to how to make this real for us and here it sits in colossians chapter 2 if you look there at verse 1 for i would that ye knew what great conflict i have for you and for them at laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh again Colossae and Laodicea are are like within 30 40 miles of each other. So East Valley West Valley. That's how close they are. And uh, the the Philemon is is uh, a part of this church. Tychicus is a part. Uh, Epaphras is is the is the main pastor, the main teacher. He's actually in both. Helps him both, and Philemon helps, and so forth. And these guys are there. Paul's writing to them, and he says, "For I would for further explanation of what he just said to him in chapter one. Just catch the end of verse twenty-eight, at the end of chapter one." Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. For I would, uh, you know, see, there's a continual thought here coming out of verse 28 about warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man how? Perfect. Now, that word perfect stirs up some things here. And again, the issue here is that issue of the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's what we're preaching. The, the book of Colossians sits as that third book uh, outside of Ephesus. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I, I, I want to do this uh, and just so you see this issue here when he says, warning every man uh, that, we, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And we're just going to do this and get as far as we can get this morning. And then guess what we're going to do? We're going to pick right up where we've stopped, okay? So I don't want to rush through Colossians, but I also don't want to drag our feet, okay? Um, Somebody asked me, what are we doing for Christmas? Because Christmas is on Sunday this year. I said, what do you mean, what are we doing? We're having church. (laughs) You know? Well, are you? I go, well, yeah, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. You come when you can come. And they're like, okay, cool, good. We might not be there. Okay, that's fine. It's between you and the Lord, and, you know, he'll get you. No, just, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, I said it with a joke, and they understood that. So look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what? Profitable. How much of the Scripture is profitable? All of it. Okay? So all of the Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, why? Why is all the scripture profitable for doctrine of proof, cor- uh, correction, and instruction in righteousness? That the man of God may be, what? Perfect. Notice the punctuation. There's a comma. What is it to be perfect? Thruly furnished unto all good works. Thruly furnished. you are got to have the ability, the capability, the capacity to go do what? The good works that Paul has ordained to us. Now just think about where we're at as we introduce the book of Colossians. All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, right? Doctrine. For reproof. For correction. Now, we understand what doctrine is. By the way, all the scripture is doctrine. I know sometimes people say, well, 1 Corinthians is reproof, and I don't need, that's not doctrine. No, it is doctrine. It just has a reproof tend to it, ting to it. Okay? Galatians is doctrine, folks. If you're mixing long grace, you, gotta, you need to have the denozo slap on the back of the head and straighten that out. But it's got corrective to it. When Paul says at the end of Galatians 6, he says, you see how large a letter I've written with my own hand. Well, it's only six chapters. That's not very big. I think he wrote it in all capital letters. You know what happens when you type in all caps? You're yelling. I think he's he's not happy with the Galatians. So you got doctrine. Now, the first book of Paul, by the way, this helps you understand why Paul's epistles are in the order they're in in Scripture okay? Romans is not the first book Paul wrote. He probably wrote 1 Thessalonians first, or Galatians. Those two books go back and forth. And you know what? It doesn't matter. What's important is where they're at in the scripture. So the book of Romans is first. So we have foundation. And we're going to have our foundation in the issue of the cross of Christ, The issue of the grace of God. The grace, the the details, your identity. Here's who you are. Here's Him dying for you. Here's where they sit. Okay? Then, what's the next book? First, our Corinthians, right? The Corinthians' reproof is bad behavior. They're not living as who they are in Christ, they're carnal. They're babes. They're weak in the flesh. Paul says, the things that you wrote on me, I'm going to, and I'm rebuking you. And I rebuke you not to one-up you, but to shame you, because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Then the next book, this is bad doctrine. That's the book of Galatians. I guess I didn't make it long enough. Okay? So what do we have in the first four books? The foundation. You want the best commentary on the book of Romans? Read Corinthians and Galatians. You don't need any of the other boys out there. Sorry. Go in and read what Paul, because you know what happens? Listen, you learn Romans. You learn this foundational stuff, and then you're trying to apply it to life, and you know what happens? You mess up. They messed up. They messed up. How did they fix it? That's what we want to know. Paul instructs them on their fixing. Then the next book of doctrine. What's after Galatians? Come on. Ephesians. So now we have the next book, the next foundation, the next step, advanced doctrine. So now we have the issue of the fullness. Here's the church, the body of Christ, corporate. Here's the goal. Of God, Why is God making and forming the church the body of Christ? Who's in it? What's he doing this for? And you know what you find out? You find out that there's a fullness. You find out about the church, the corporate, the big. What's the goal? The heavenly places, the reconstruction, the reconciliation of the heavenly places. Bad behavior? The Philippians. They're terrified by their adversaries. By the way, Paul calls them perfect, mature. And yet, what do they do? They got the, they're letting their emotions run amok. Paul brings them back in. Now, Colossians, where we're at, and we're going to see, their problem is, is they weren't holding the head. They weren't operating and functioning properly. Okay, What's after Colossians? Thessalonians. Now, this one goes real short. Because 1 and 2 Thessalonians covers our future. Covers his coming. Covers our glory. Every chapter in 1 Thessalonians deals with a component of what we call, the event we call the rapture. Lays it out. 2 Thessalonians says, you're not in Israel's program, you're in your program, stay in your program. Okay? You good? All right. By the way, if we go to heaven, there's no more bad behavior and there's no more bad doctrine. you good. You're without spot and blemish, Ephesians 5. You're there. But wait a minute, what's after Thessalonians? Well, you got the Tim and the Titus and Philemon, don't you? Okay? Now, what they're going to do is they're going to deal with this next bot. And that's the issue of fellowship. While I'm here, while I'm leaving you, you need to know how to behave when you get together. We call those the pastoral epistles because they're written to, pas- to pastors, specific, but they're written to everybody. We're, we're, we're going to deal with the congregation. The local assembly is the main vehicle which whereby Paul God uses to and to promote and to spread the word. He doesn't use missionary boards. He doesn't use conventions. He doesn't use, he uses local assemblies. For the first time, we deal with the issue of godliness. You don't deal with godliness down here. You know what you deal with? You deal with it there. Okay? That's Paul's epistles. By the way, you have Faith, right? You have love, and you have hope. See? You've got them in the doctrinal sets. Now, just so FYI, you can take the Hebrew epistles and do the same thing with the nation of Israel, the little flock in the future. Hebrews is their foundation. 1 Peter, I'm sorry, James, bad doctrine, I mean bad behavior. 1 Peter, bad doctrine. 2 Peter, fullness, church, the, local, the little flock, what they're doing. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude. Then Revelation, and in Revelation, you are done. It is all over. Okay, you can do that. I do that because where are we at when we come to Colossians? We're in a corrective book. The tone and the tenor is correction. Now, so go back to Colossians 2. On your way, stop at 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. You see, folks, when he says that we're warning every man and we're presenting every man perfect, he's talking about maturity. He's talking about growing up. Grow up into him. He's not talking about perfect in that you never make a mistake, because we know better. He's talking about, hey, he's talking about 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There's a simplicity in Christ. We make it hard. The Word of God is designed to work quickly in your life when you believe it. We decide not to believe it. We decide to come over here and read a book about the Word. We decide to do this over here and not go into the Word and say, it says what it says, means what it says, it's right there, and that's what it says. That's its order. This is what we're doing. We do that. So what does Paul say? We're warning every man. We're out here preaching to every man because the Word of God works in you it completes, it's what makes you complete. It what adjusts your life. Go back to, come over now and over to Colossians 2 now, sorry. It's what comes in and what, when Paul says, I labor for you, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. When he says that, He's talking about, hey, look, guys, you're in the middle of a battle here. You just don't know it yet because the Word's designed to work and it's working in you. And yet you guys are off in some bad doctrine and I'm trying to straighten you out. But in order to straighten out the bad doctrine, you guys need to know how you got there. Because they're not Corinthian, Galatians. This is advanced truth. These guys... There were, their doctrine isn't there, it's here. This is Ephesians' doctrine that they're messing up in. They're not messing off the foundation. They, they got grace life down. They're living, they're doing, they're okay. But what they're missing is the fullness issue, the goal of it all, of what's happening. They're missing that. They're in the, uh, look, look down there at verse 19, 219. And not holding the head. From which all the body by joints and bands have nursed, ministered, and knit together, increased with increase of God. You see that? And not holding the head. Come over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. By the way, Ephesians and Colossians are sister chapters. Sister books, I'm sorry. Ephesians 4. In Ephesians, you get the doctrine, you get all of it. Colossians picks up a phrase and just nails you out. That's why in chapter 3 of Colossians, when he deals with husbands and wives and children, the family and everything, it's just one verse, where in Ephesians, it's whole sections of verses. You get the doctrine and now the application. Look at Ephesians 4, look at verse 15, but speak the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. But yet in Colossians 2, what does he say? 2.19. You're not holding the head. Here's what the head's doing. Here's what everything's doing. And you're not doing it. So we got a problem. And how did we get there? Come back to Galat- Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verse 1, For I would that ye knew what great conflict, great conflict. Back up in verse chapter 1, verse 29, Whereunto I also labored, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. The labor, the striving. Paul, he, he gets to... He gets this report of some false teaching going on at Colossae. And it causes him great concern. And he's worried about it. And he's, he's got his, he, he's, he's, he's struggling with it. And he's concerned with the fact that they've given sway to some bad doctrine that's crept in. 2 verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have. Uh, I just, I can't, ex- can't express it enough with you. The great conflict, he's, he's laboring. They've fallen victim to the adversarial attack. They've let some guys influence them to move them away from the church into saying that, well, you're really not. You're really spiritual Israel. Israel. You, want, you know that? Keep looking down, chapter 2. Look down at verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, ye are subject to what? To ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to the parish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Do you know another famous guy in the Bible that says, you guys are doing nothing but following doctrines and commandments of men? And you've made the word of God of none effect. The Lord Jesus Christ says that to Israel leaders over and over again. What have they done? They've Colossi has embraced. Verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not an honoring to the satisfying of the flesh. Notice verse 23 is all religion. That's all it does. Will worship. Will, my will. We're going to worship God our way. We're going to have an hour of jitter, you know, rock and roll music and then a 20 minute little feel good ditty so you can be on your way and feel good. Exactly. <laughs> and you go, what? Will worship. Humility. Neglecting of the body. I'm fasting this month. I only got two days left, so I'm good, right? But no, now what do we do? We take the idea of fasting and we make it a what? A religious feel-good moment. I've fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Because I want to be like God. And you have no biblical understanding of what fasting is about. Because who does it really belong? Who does it belong to? Israel and her program. You just married it over here because you want to. Humility. I am proud. I'm humble and proud of it. Really? Who promotes that? Not this. Not the Word of God. The adversary does. And and Paul says, guys, I'm concerned with you. I have great concern here. Chapter 2, verse 1. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh i have great concern here and think about that paul understood that there were people that the church at Colossae, he did not start that church it started off of his ministry yes obviously he's the apostle look at chapter 4 verse 12 just notice in one, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. There are folks at Colossae that have never seen Paul. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Verse 19. Uh, that verse 19 doesn't exist, does it? How about verse... Uh, 17. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Archippus is Philemon's son. Philemon 1 and 2. See, these guys, Epaphras has seen Paul, but there are folks at Colossae and Laodicea that have never seen Paul. And he says, I have great concern. If you come over to Acts 19, just so you get the The context here, Acts 19, Acts 19 and verse 10, Acts 19, you have Paul, he's at Ephesus, he's in the synagogue there, verse 10, and and this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. He's in Ephesus. And what's happened over those two years? Colossi is right up the road from Ephesus a few hours. He's in Ephesus working and ministering and laboring. And some f- folks from Colossae have come down, gotten saved, got the word, got edified, went back to Colossae and started a church. Said, hey, we're gonna, and Laodicea, by the way, Laodicea is old town. Laodicea is the old Colossae. Colossae is the suburbs, the new town, you know. East Valley, the old city, been here forever. West Valley, new city, just getting going. That's the idea, okay? Now, nothing against West Side, but I prefer the East Side, thank you very much. Okay, but it, it's not that. It's, this is what's happening. Where did it come? It came out of his ministry at Ephesus, in Asia Minor, in Turkey there. Yet they don't see him. And there's some, evidently, back in Colossians 2, That he doesn't know, and they don't know him personally. But you know what they do have? They have the Word of God. They have him. And they have his Word. And he says, Guys, I have a great concern for you because there's a conflict brewing, and you guys are getting sucked into it. Again, they're on this level, they're not down here. This is not about their identity. This is about what God's doing in them in the details of life. Chapter 2, verse 2. That their hearts... What, no, notice this. Verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that... Now, what? that, the intent, the reason, the reason for my conflict, the reason for my concern... The reason for my warning every man and teaching every man, the reason that I labor and strive, the, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and into all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. Notice where Paul went. He says, man, I got a great conflict because they need to stand right there in the truth, and they're not. Hearts, that their hearts, heart, with the, man, with the heart man believes under the heart, that thinking mechanism of the soul may be comforted. What does Romans 15 verse 4 say? Actually, John 14 Who's the com- who is the comforter? You remember John 14, 16? Who's the comforter? The Holy Ghost. By the way, he's another comforter. The first a comforter was the Lord Jesus Christ. Another comforter is going to come, the Holy Spirit, Romans 15. That's John 14 there, Romans 15. Got to pay attention to the little words. Romans 15, verse 4. Notice this for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the what scriptures might have hope now notice what he says there he doesn't say whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our obedience for our learning for or instruction I'm sorry, for our instruction. He says what? Our learning. We can go back into the Old Testament and what can we do? We can see God dealing with Israel and we can get comfort with them with that over here because he works it out. But who wrote the scriptures? The Holy Spirit does. So we have the Holy Script the Spirit the Spirit the blah, 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 I get it. The scriptures come from the, the The Holy Spirit, as He moved in the man, we can't see Him, we can't touch Him yet. What can we? He wrote a book that can come, that we can come to. Come back to Colossians two, and what can we have? We can have comfort, and He says, "Guys, I, you, I, you, I, that your hearts might be comforted." The inner man. Come over to chapter 4 of Colossians, just real quick. This thing about comfort. 4 8. He says, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Who is the he there? It's verse 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your, your estate and comfort your hearts. You see, folks, we get comfort from the scriptures, but we also get comfort from other believers, other saints, when they come and they reaffirm the doctrine and they build us up. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he says, fighting without... Fears within. I'm in a mess. Today's terminology, he was depressed. He was in a manic depression. And you know what? When Titus showed up, comforting. And he got out of it. What's Paul say? That your hearts might be comforted being knit together. Being joined together together. An adjoinment that can't be undone in love. Wow. Chapter 1, verse 8 of Colossians. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. The folks at Colossae, they loved what the Spirit loved. And what does the Spirit love? the word of God, that's what he loves. And those that are in it and believe it and trust in it, they came to a point where they understood the word, rightly divided. They were renewed in their mind. They valued and esteemed the things that God did. Chapter 3 of, uh, of Colossians, verse 14, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. They were there. They had a hold on it. They were understanding it. They were mature. They were valuing and esteeming the things that the Godhead did. And yet, what happened? The adversary showed up in chapter 2, verse 4. And went to work on them. Now go back up to verse 2 so we can keep the verses. Being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance. By the way, unto all riches, the wealth of grace 2-2, 2-2, Colossians 2-2, I'm sorry. The wealth of grace. You go take Ephesians 1. You start in verse 3 and work you down way down through that. And it's according to the riches of his grace. And it's according to his grace. And it's according to his purpose. And you are wealthy in Christ. And the wealth that you have, Paul says, guys, Colossians, remember the wealth you have. Remember who you are. Remember what God's doing. I want your hearts knit together. I want all this to be there where you're not moved away. The riches of the full assurance. Half assurance. Nah, we'll just go half today. No, full assurance. Unmovable. Not willing to let go of what's going on. Got the whole thing down. I want you there, guys. I want your hearts to be knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Oh, my goodness. I want you to have it all. You you got it all. Man, I just gave you this wonderful book of Ephesians, and you got the big picture, and I want you living there to the acknowledgement. of the mystery of God and of the Father and of the Christ. The full assurance of understanding. I want you to know. I want you to have peace in your life, guys. You're struggling right now, Colossae. You're struggling, Southwest Bible. You're there. I want you to have peace. And the only way to have peace is to have full understanding, full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement The result of knowing what's going on is the acknowledgement of the three mysteries listed there. When you fully understand not only Paul's epistles, their order, and what's going on, and what God's doing... You can then understand, then you have that acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the mystery of the Father and of the mystery of Christ. And you have this, in, by the way, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You've got this understanding here, you've got this full assurance. The mystery of God, come over to Revelation 10. People ask me often, where do I think the book of Revelation was written? I think it's written early. I I think it's written during the Lord's ministry by the Apostle John as he's pulled over. I think Paul has it on the the desk with him. That's why he would make such a reference to the mystery of God. Revelation 10. Look, if you will, at verse 7. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel... When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. And he hath decla- as he hath declared to his servants, who? The prophets. The mystery of God has to do with the fulfilling of the prophetic program. There's the mystery of God. Boom. Man, when you get down that you're not a part of that prophetic program, that's Israel, that's something else, and you're a part of what God's doing today, the mystery of Christ, you know what happens? You don't want to get pulled over into that mess. You say, no, thank you very much, I'll stay right over here in the grace life. (laughs) But you can't get there unless you have what? Full assurance. The mystery of the Father, come to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. This one ought to just shout for hallelujah, run the aisles and pass the offering plate two or three more times. You know, but what's the mystery of the Father? Ephesians 1 verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, who's the his? Chap verse 3, the Father. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The mystery of the Father has to do with his glory plan in his Son, where he takes the creation and he puts it back under the rulership and the headship of his Son, using the church, the body of Christ in the heavens, using the nation of Israel in the earth. Man, when you get a grasp of that, the last thing you want to do is keep a Sabbath day. The last thing you want to do is be water baptized. That's the last thing you want. Why? Because that belongs to them. And I'm over here seated in heavenly places. And that's where I want to be. Ephesians 3. Here's the mystery of Christ. Woo! I told you, folks. This stuff gets excited when you come to the full assurance of and the acknowledgment of. In order for you to acknowledge this stuff, what do you? You gotta know it. The Colossians understood that. They just got off their game a little bit. If it can happen to those at Ephesus, you're in Ephesians three. Just look across the page at chapter four, verse seventeen. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that ye, who's the ye? The church at Ephesus. Henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened and off you go. You know what's happened at Ephesus? They've started living like the lost. And if it can happen at the great church at Ephesus, it sure enough can happen here. where we're not so great. Chapter 3, verse 1 The mystery of Christ, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The mystery of Christ has to do with the fulfillment of the body of Christ program. The dispensation of grace gets it established. The church, the body of Christ, goes out into the heavenly places for eternity. So when you come back to Colossians 2, what's he doing here? He's like, guys... I've been warning you. I've been working on you. I got a great concern with you. I got great conflict here for you because there's some of you. I've never met you personally, but there's some there that you're getting pulled away. And my prayer for you, my concern is that your hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Think about that. We are able to take action upon a foolish understanding of what God is doing. We can look at that and we can say, man, just... Bring it on. Let's go. Let's get on with life. Let's go do the things that we do in life. And, again, you live your life where you live. You don't live where I live. Thank the Lord. Mine's pretty boring. Okay? But you live where you live. And in that moment, you can take who you are in Christ and what you've learned, and you can put it into shoe leather. And he says, man, when you do that, you've got the acknowledgement of an understanding. And you have victory. And we're able to live where we're supposed to be lived. We're able to be unmovable because we know what's going on. So he says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom. So who's the whom? All three is the whom. I know people say, oh, it's in Christ. Well, yeah, no kidding, duh. But it's also in God and in the Father. It's what? It's in whom are hid all the what? The treasures. Hid. Not so you can't find it, but rather so you can find it. You ever play hide and go seek? You're hidden so that what? Somebody will what? Find you. You want to be found. We did always as a kid. You want to be found so you could especially but get found by the girls and you can chase them, you know. But you get found out, you know, Marco, Polo, Marco, you know, why? You want to get found. You want to get, you know, the excitement in getting caught. Not not in that you can't find it, but that what you can, you can find all the treasure. Think about that. There's treasure in it. Riches, wealth, provision, safety, security. It's all there, but it's in where. Wisdom and knowledge. So come back with me, just real quick, to Proverbs, chapter two. Just think about it. Proverbs, it's a it's a heart book. It sits in the heart literature for the nation of Israel, for the little flock. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, are all are the our heart. Genesis through uh, Esther. Is the history of Israel. Okay? Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, they are the heart of the little flock. Here's how the little flock thinks and beats. And then you start with Jeremiah to Malachi, and what do you got? You got the prophets speak. You got those. So you got the history, the heart, and the hope. See that? History, heart, and hope. You can do this all day long. Proverbs 2, verse number 2. So that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge. See the three. By the way, the big three. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. There's your gold, silver, and precious stones, by the way. That's what they are. And lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searcheth for her as for hid treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. Where are we going to find it? We're going to find it in the Word of God. We're going to find it coming to us from the Godhead. But what do we have to do? Well, he says, "Search." We would say, "What?" Study. 2 Timothy two fifteen. That's what we would say. Study. Come over to chapter twenty three. Proverbs twenty three twenty three said, height. you know." <laughs> Proverbs. You, you know, you never heard Peyton Manning say Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs it was always Omaha. Omaha. You know. Anyway, Proverbs twenty three. You can tell I watched a little too much football yesterday. Verse twenty three. Look at this, 23.23. Buy the truth and what? Sell it not. Are you looking for truth? You need to be looking for the truth. And you need to pay for the truth. You need to count the cost of what it is to pay the truth. Some of you have been looking for truth. You found us. I'm glad you found us. But there's a cost for finding us. There's a cost for understanding the word rightly divided. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Knowledge, what we know. Wisdom, how to apply what we know to the details of life. Understanding, moving it out and doing it. So when you come back to Colossians, if you look there in chapter 1, what has Paul been praying for those at Colossae? Chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause also since sorry, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And that's what's coming, starting in verse 4 and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things. And you just keep reading. And if you stay where you're supposed to stay, 2-4 doesn't happen. 2-4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. If you stay... In chapter 1, verse 9 and following, guess what? When the enticing words show up, you'll say, wait a second, that's not buying the truth, that's selling the truth, and I ain't going to do that. I'm going to stay right here where I'm supposed to be. I may not like Rick, heaven forbid, but you might not. I might not like the way he delivers his message, okay, but what is the message being delivered? There's the truth. And what's going to happen here is that the treasures hid in Christ, the treasures hid in God the Father, the treasures hid in the Godhead are the things that motivate the sound doctrine being applied in the details of our lives. So now, next week, obviously, 2-4 Here comes the main issue at Colossae. How do you deal with it? Here comes the main issue in your life. Enticing words show up. So you listen to the guys on TV or the ladies on TV, and they are smooth as butter, man. You know Mr. Smiley. Everything's a smile. Big old church, Texas. Mr. Smiley. And yet nothing comes out of that man's mouth that's true. And yet you got a whole big old bunch of people. By the way, the ladies do it too. Sorry, ladies. They get to talking and smiling, and eh, and the next thing you know, everybody's doing the kumbaya. No truth. I listened to a lady. She was teaching. She was doing a real good bang-up job on Romans 8. Man, fantastic. I'm like, all right, get them, girl. And then all of a sudden, she got at the end, and she gave a work salvation gospel and a joining of spiritual Israel. And come over here and be a part of what, you know, and I'm like, dude, you just blew it. You took Romans 8 and threw it out the window. And there are people swaying and spending all their money with her. They're selling the truth. Paul says, I had great conflict, guys. Here's the real time. And guess what? For you and I, it's real time, isn't it? Right now, there's an assault on the the word of God in society. And that assault's him. It's real time. Why? Yea, hath God said. Is this the way it is? Did he really say it? Etc. You know what Paul says? Let's be on guard. So we'll start in verse 4 next time because time's up, okay? Colossians 2 to me is a wonderful chapter. 22, 23 verses of just pedal to the metal, let's go. Now, we're not going to go that fast, but we're also not going to go dog-eared slow, so, okay? All right, dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the instructions in it. And Lord, I just pray as we look at these and we contemplate them and we think about them and we we study them out, that we would do so for your honor and for your glory, that your life would be on display in our lives on a continual basis, every day, 24-7. We'll do it for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen.